So yes, we're we've done three uh, three disciplines. We're at twelve spiritual disciplines. That I think uh, that if we are willing to allow them to, they will push us deeper into Jesus in this season. Uh, I've been still reflecting on the this language that I was using. Uh, that I think I've used before that the world, uh, and I even aware of the next number. I thought that myself of this phrase today, our, our world is not in need of any more intelligent people or any more gifted people, but it is in need of deep people who are, have just um, plumbed the depths of their inner being and know who they are, know that people who have grasped, caught a glimpse of the depth of the love that Jesus has for them. It's going to be deep people like that that are going to change the world, I think. Um, uh, so the purpose of the spiritual disciplines, the purpose of why we are doing what we're doing is the total transformation of the person. Um, and I think that's really important. We're after the total transformation of the person, um, body, soul, mind, all of that. We're after a complete renewal. Um, and so the aim of much of what we've talked about, the aim of what we're going to talk about today, as well as the last three weeks and as as the aim for the next number of weeks is to replace those old and actually often destructive habits with life-giving ones. Um, and so I think if we're going to, if we're going to pursue some of the stuff around meditation and prayer and fasting and even study, that's what we're looking at this, this evening. That is, that is certainly replacing old. We're, we're certainly looking to replace old destructive often habits with life-giving habits and so I think you'll be familiar with um, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Um, don't be conformed. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, and then there's just a Philippians chapter 4. Um, is a really, really good, really good chapter for, for all of us to be familiar with, I think this season that we're in hello Anastasia and uh, don't worry about anything it says well actually you could just keep going back <laughs> all rejoice again I say rejoice don't worry about anything instead pray about everything tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done then you will experience God's peace and many of us like people where I'm engaging with in our community they my goodness, do they need to experience God, which exceeds anything that we can understand. And his peace guard hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. But it's this, it's this, these couple of verses that um, I want us to consider. Dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Paul says, fix your thoughts, fix your minds, fix your attention on what is true, on what is honorable, what is right, what is pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things. Ponder on these, meditate, chew over um, these things uh, that are excellent and worthy of praise and keep putting into practice all that you've learned and all that you've received uh, and everything you've heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Um, and so... I feel like I need to reflect more on those couple of verses, but enough to say that uh, as we consider study, 
I think study is the vehicle to bring about these things. So all of those things that are pure and lovely and, and excellent and uh, all of that are study, thinking, concentrating, deep thinking is the vehicle to bring about, uh, to bring us to thinking about these things. Uh, John chapter 8, verse 32 I think many of us will be familiar with the idea that the truth will set us free. Um, but I want you to know the full verse. I've been caught by this a number of months ago. That the, It's the knowledge of the truth that will set you free. It's not just the truth itself that will set you free. That's not what the verse says. It's, uh, it's the knowledge of the truth that will set us free. And so I suppose what I'm, what I'm suggesting as we look at this discipline of study is without a knowledge of the truth, we will not, we will not be free. Um, again, these are things that we can talk about. We can uh, bat them back and forward. Um, so yeah, Deuteronomy chapter eleven, verse eighteen. Um, this this Old Testament, um, this Old Testament verse, but it's the principle. It's the way that the people of God were instructed to live, that they would they would write the they would write things everywhere. They would pin it to their door frames. They would have it everywhere that they could see and read. Sorry, Deuteronomy eleven verse eighteen. Commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words. Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your foreheads as reminders. And we see that quite often through uh, throughout the Old Testament narrative. This encouragement this um this challenge that you would live in such a way that the that the scriptures would be before you that you'd be constantly thinking about them constantly giving your attention and your thoughts and your focus towards the things of god um and so that was the challenge for the children of god in the old testament direct your mind repeatedly toward thoughts of god and so if we were to if we were to look then we're into the New Testament, not much has changed really in in some ways, but we are now replacing the laws that were written on doorposts with the law that is now written on our hearts. The law is written on our hearts, uh, and it is that which which leads us to Jesus. And so I, I am challenged about this idea of study. Um and so I just want to share. A couple of things because I'm I am aware as I, as I reflect on this as I reflect on my own patterns my own habits uh, I am aware that what what I study what we study determines the kind of habits um, that are formed um, so there's there's different ways there's for for many of us we're all wired differently aren't we um, for some of us our our preference for when it comes to study is verbal. So it's like a book or it's a podcast or a sermon, a lecture or something like that. For others, our, our way of study, we study things that are nonverbal, like nature. Um, but even thinking about events, like studying events. I'm not a historian, but I do value people like N.T. Wright. Historians that are looking back, looking back over years and years and, and uh, I don't think it was Winston Churchill that, that came up with the quote, but he did rephrase it in such a way to say that those who do not learn from history uh, 
are condemned or doomed to repeat it. And uh, so I think there's something important about like about us studying or learning from events, from history, from nature. So for some of us, we 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 study better verbally, or and some of us study better maybe non-verbally. But there's just four four uh, four steps I think we could call it um, that help us in. I think will help us in our study. The first one is repetition. Um, and if any of you are familiar with Eugene at all, uh, you will maybe have heard Eugene often say that Eugene is a, for those who don't know, Eugene is a Bible teacher from Canada, now living in Ballymena, um, has been a really good friend of ours for, for a long time. But um, repetition is really important to Eugene. So he will, he will make a statement and he really wants these people that are in the audience to get it. And so he will repeat he will repeat himself and he will say that I'm going to keep on repeating this until I can see in your eyes that you get it. I'm looking at your eyes and once I see you've understood this, I'll move on. And, uh, and so for years I've been practicing, I've been in the mirror practicing my I get it look so that Eugene will not keep on repeating the same thing over again. Um, but, but it, but it is important. It is ingraining the, those habits of, of thought. And I do think that I want it to be from a deep place. I don't want to be like a mechanical thing, but I do think the mind will eventually respond. Um, the mind will eventually respond. Its behavior will begin to respond to, confo- to confirm, to conform, sorry, to that, to that affirmation, to the thing that is being spoken, to the thing that is being taught the thing that we're being encouraged to reflect on and to think on, repetition can be really helpful. The second thing uh, is concentration. And this is maybe a big one for some of us. Uh, the second step of, uh, the next step of study. So if the first one is repetition, uh, the second one is concentration. And uh, this is something that just focuses the attention and centers the mind. Uh, and so uh, about a month ago, Again, people are sick of me saying this. I'm sure I'm, I'm not getting any commission from Kindle Unlimited, but you can get a book on Kindle Unlimited uh, called The Daily Office by Pete Scazzaro. And, uh, and I've really benefited from it because it's just a small devotional. And in response to the devotional, it asks a really provoking question, um, finishes or begins to close out with a prayer and then concludes with a two, minute, uh, two minutes of silence. And it's bookend with silence. So as you enter into the as you enter into the daily office, um, you're, you're being asked, you're being invited, challenged to give two minutes of um, two minutes of silence, solitude of centering yourself on God. And um, I, I like I don't know for for any of you, but actually that has been something I've had to pr- practice over the last number of weeks because. Two minutes of silence in the in the day that we live in, the culture that we have surrounded ourselves with, two minutes of silence and quiet and be, doing nothing can be really difficult. Uh, I know that's almost maybe embarrassing to say, but two minutes can be challenging. I feel like I've got it now, no problem. I'm going to stretch it maybe to three minutes at some stage. But two minutes of silence, solitude, like literally centering yourself, beginning to focus your attention, beginning to center your mind. 
before you begin to enter into your devotional thought or prayer or reading for the day. And our, as, I, as I've said, our culture, I think, it does not value concentration because uh, we are bombarded constantly with distraction. And uh, I know it's something we can use as an excuse, but it is a reality too. Like, we are bombarded with distraction. And so that's why those two minutes, like practicing those two minutes become really important. Like bookending that sort of thought, that sort of time of focusing my attention and concentrating myself on, on God. Uh, and today I was, um, don't take too long, but I, uh, today as I was, uh, we were on Psalm 55 for our Psalm of Lament for the morning. And, uh, and so often we, we from my NIV Bible, so it has, the, it has the text on the left-hand side and down the right, it's usually blank, but every so often we see this little word, sila, um, on as sort of halfway through a psalm at times or at the end of a psalm. And that's something we're really poor at. Like we just brush over that word, but it's actually pause in his presence, take a break, stop, concentrate, think, of, think about what you're reading, think about what is being revealed about the nature and the goodness and the kindness of God. Breathe. Take a moment. We, do, we're, we, we don't often do that. And so I'd encourage you, just in, even in your, the readings of your psalm, that you would actually do what you're being invited to by the psalmist, to see that, to take a moment, to pause in his presence. Um, it could be really beneficial. We move from repetition to concentration and then into comprehension, when we just have those aha moments where we just... We just I, I love those moments more more often than I have them, but those moments are just, yes, I get it. I understand. understand what is being revealed here. I understand what's being said here. Um, and so whenever we begin to focus on the, we focus on the knowledge of the truth, we get a moment where we, we, we just, we get it. We, we receive the information and we comprehend it. And then the fourth step is reflection. And this is, this is, again, this is weakest for me, I think. I, think I don't think you'll be surprised by that, by what I've already said. But reflection is really important because the third step is sometimes the moment where I stop. Sometimes in my reading of a, of a book or a commentary or just reading through the, the scriptures, I'll, I'll get that aha moment. And it'll, so comprehension defines, but reflection actually then defines the significance. The reflection actually actually defines what does this actually mean for me? Is that actually for the moment we're in? So I, I, information is the goal. Information is what I want to get. I want those aha moments, but actually the reflection is really important. And it is, for me, it is one of the most important, and it's probably one of the most important things for me because it's where I'm weakest at. But for me, I, I don't want to go through all the repetition. I don't want to go through all the concentration and the comprehension and not actually begin to have those moments of reflection where I'll absorb, I'll, I'll conclude the daily office with a moment of sil with silence just to reflect on what, what the Lord is saying to me, what he is challenging me with. Um, and so I think that's really important. I think comprehension is important, but that's the, in, I'm wondering, is that the information 
and but we're after transformation and that's i think where the, where the reflection piece could be really really important uh so there's four four quick steps i think it's also worth saying i'm i need to hear this i need to be reminded of this that study the type of study that we're talking about it does demand humility um because often we can come to scripture or we can come to a, a book that has been recommended and if we, we we come with our own preconceived ideas we, do, we come often not looking to to think to concentrate or to try and comprehend we come looking to find the information that will prove our point and honestly like i we could all of us could do that. We could we could come up with our own idea. We could come to the scriptures looking to find something that will prove our point. And I just don't think it's helpful. I'm not sure that it's really that healthy. And I think whenever we're talking about study and repetition, concentration, comprehension, and reflection, I think that uh, we want to we want to come at this with a spirit of humility. I think study demands humility. And uh, I think we see often enough throughout scripture, we see it, uh, I think we hear it from Jesus and Paul and from uh, James, that pride and a teachable spirit can never go hand in hand. Um, and so study, I think, uh, important to say, demands, demands humility. Um, yeah, so let, let me just wrap up with a couple more quick points, if that's okay. Um, well, I think many of you will be familiar with Second Timothy three, verse sixteen and seventeen, that uh, the scriptures have been given for reproof, for correction, to train us in righteousness. Um, and so, again, just to point out that I think the central purpose of the scriptures is not for uh, doctrinal purity. It's not to have everything all worked out. It's for inner transformation. We come to the scripture to be changed, to be transformed, not to gather information. Um, and so I think uh, devotional or devotional readings are really important. Like keep doing them. I think they can be really helpful. Um, I suppose for me, sometimes I, I get to the end of a devotional and it's like the, there's an application at the end of it that, is what this means for me and but i think study the study of scripture plays that places a high value on what it actually means it places a high value on the interpretation it places a high value on the context uh places a high value on what it actually means before we rush to what it means for me and uh, and we can do that we can often rush to application before interpretation we want to know what it means for me more more so or before what it actually means um so i hope in some ways um that makes sense i would encourage you to there's two things i would encourage you to as a finish uh practically speaking is that uh, especially with maybe a wee bit more time in your hands um that you would read large portions of the bible um my challenge, I think, on Sunday was that you would uh, maybe just take Isaiah 40 to 55, read a, read a huge chunk of the Bible or something. I think something we think we grasp uh, when we read large portions of the Bible that we can miss when we just read 
a chapter in a day. So I'd encourage you to do that. And if, um, if maybe that seems a bit intimidating, reading huge chunks of the Old Testament, try reading a whole letter. Um, I said this to the interns uh, whenever we looked at this a month or two ago, that if, uh, if any of us were to receive a letter, I don't think that we would read a small portion of it and come back to it the next day. I think we'd be really keen to know what the whole of the letter is saying, what it's wanting to communicate. We, we, want, to get, we want to catch the whole heart of Paul or Peter, whoever it is that's writing the letter. And so I'd encourage you to um, that you maybe take one in one sitting, that you read through one of the small books or one of the letters. I think it would be, uh, it would be really helpful for for us and i think that's what paul i was reading acts chapter 9 earlier and they were told that paul tarried paul waited in the house of simon the tanner and i think that's i don't want to keep going after portions of scripture that has people waiting in a house to try and squeeze some sort of meaning for us here left sitting in houses but i think that's there was something transforma transformational happening in paul as he waited in the house of uh, Simon the Tanner as he waited, as he tarried those moments of waiting, I think um, he was he was doing some of those things that we have been talking about. Um, so hope I hope that hope that.